Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pause Reviews Podcast, the podcast where Tim and I watch everything the internet has to offer and try to find something great for you to watch tonight. As always, I'm your boy Frank, but I am Timless. There is no Tim. Tim is not here. Instead, Tim, his beautiful wife and daughter are sunning it up and living it up on the beaches of, I think, Jersey? But I'm not alone, and I am thrilled to be joined this week by my guest host, your favorite guest host, number one in the programs, and number one in your hearts, Joseph. <laughs> Welcome back, Joseph. Ah, uh, thank you, Frank. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to join you from my basement. So <laughs> yes, no, we're happy to have you from your basement. It's very befitting this podcast. We are a basement style podcast. Actually, come, you know what? So I record in the basement. I believe Tim records in the basement. So it'd be weird if you weren't in your basement. We are a basement level podcast, Joe. <laughs> well, I that makes me feel more welcome. Yes. That's, it's always a good thing. Yeah, we are definitely not balcony folk. This is cheap seat stuff. Um, let's see. Oh, before we get started, I said this as a joke last week, but uh, a good friend of the show, Mr. James Phineas Audie, I believe it's Phineas. <laughs> so, but James, um, <laughs> I got a message. So I made a joke last week because we're, we're starting to think about the future and we're starting to uh, consider some changes to our format. Nothing too drastic. We talked last week about uh, keeping the deep dives as podcast episodes, but in order to devote more time to the development of those episodes, switching the rewinds to being IG live episodes, which would still give you the same content, although not in a weekly podcast per se, but also give folks more of an opportunity to engage and interact with us in real time when we're kind of, you know, shooting the poo about, you know, random things we've been watching. Um, we think that's going to work better for the show. We think it's going to be a better dynamic with our audience, um, more engaging, which has always been the goal of this. But most importantly, it's actually going to give us time to really put forward a great product when we get to the deep dive stuff. Um, because, you know, we're just spending... I'm just spending a ton of time prepping and editing episodes that I don't get to dedicate as much time as I would like to the development process. So uh, we talked about that last week, and we also were talking about you know possible Patreon stuff in the future, and I jokingly made the comment that 98% of our listening audience, who are we kidding, it's like 99.7, um, <laughs> has my personal phone number and can Venmo me money at any time. And James sent us $3.50. So this week's episode is, is sponsored in part by the James Audie Foundation. Uh, bringing these golden pipes to your ear holes uh, this week. Now, he didn't mention if this was going to be a weekly recurring or a monthly recurring donation. Uh, I'm going to assume weekly. So uh, so we look forward to your continued support, James, uh, via Venmo. You know where to find me. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Like that's that's That I mean, boy what, is what? solid. It's just calling you out on the random stuff you say. <laughs> and I mean, Frank... You always said that you wanted to see if this could actually make you money. 
and you know, oh. moving in that direction. Joe, I'm a pro now. Yes, I have you officially are. been paid to podcast. Yes. Nice. It's, how does it feel, Frank? Yeah, it feels sexy. <laughs> yeah. Just leave it on the nightstand, gents. <laughs> I was going to say, the first time you get paid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, as always, the quality is subpar. <laughs> I am a $3.50 whore. <laughs> all right, guys. So, uh, but in all seriousness, and jokes aside, James, it's much appreciated, my friend. And thanks for uh, showing love to the podcast. Um, we will come up with a much more credible way for listeners to do that sometime in the future where you actually get some bonus goodies for your troubles. Uh, but for now, James, this shout out will have to do. All right, guys, <laughs> let's jump into this week. Joe, as a guest host, my friend, why don't you do the honors and just kick us off by telling folks what we're going to be talking about in this deep dive episode? Oh, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about the movie Pig. Yes. Yeah, with Nicolas Cage. And a pig. And a pig. <laughs> There's not many folks in this. Um, yeah, Nicolas Cage, Alex Wolf is sort of lead number two. Uh, if you don't know who Alex Wolf is off the top of your head, he's uh, in the recent uh, Jumanji remakes. Uh, he plays, you know, the kid who in the first Jumanji remake uh, becomes Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, and uh, he was in the movie, I believe, Hereditary. He's been in a couple he was. things. Yeah. Yep. Um, which is so funny because it, it, I didn't recognize him out the gate, right? Yeah, it, it, it took me about half the movie to realize that it was him because I, I recognized him from Hereditary, but I was like, he looks familiar, but I can't quite place him. And then somewhere around the, the half point of the movie, I was like, oh, geez, like that's, that's the kid from Hereditary. He looks uh, just, like the salt guy. What's that guy, Salt Bay or whatever? The guy who like Bay, yeah. sprinkles the salt off his elbow and well, makes I, I, golden meats. <laughs> I, I think it's like his slight facial hair in this movie that just kind of throws me off. Uh, yeah. But yeah. So, uh, so those are your stars. And as Joe said, we are discussing the movie Pig this week. Uh, released this year, 2021. Rated R. Um, a runtime of 132 minutes. Nope, that's not right. A runtime of... <laughs> it, it, it just felt like that. It, it did. It, did. <laughs> it just felt like 132 minutes. It's an hour and 32 minutes. Um, but it is not a quick hour and 32. It, it this movie stops time. <laughs> that was that was the either the shortest three hour movie I've ever watched, or the uh, <laughs> or or the longest. Yeah, one hour and 32 uh, minute movie. Like that's that was. It, it it felt it felt like a lifetime. Oh yeah, you feel every minute of this, and time passes hard. This is it is uh it's a it's a life hard lived. Um, let's see what else do we normally cover here? Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is just dripping with love for this movie. Ninety seven percent critic score, and I believe an eighty three percent audience score on this one. Um. You know, we're not going to talk budgets and, and that kind of stuff because, again, you know, we're still in the midst of the COVID crisis. And so it doesn't really matter 
the budget and stuff because the numbers are skewed in terms of what this movie would make in the in the box office or otherwise. So it's it's almost impossible to tell uh, if it's a success or a flop. But it it's a massive critical success to say the very least. I mean, internet was a buzz with praise for this movie, especially Nicolas Cage in it, which is really why we wanted to do this. Although it's not necessary, it's not. Uh, available for free to stream, but it is now available to rent. So for six ninety nine, wherever you rent movies, uh, you can rent Pig. Um, let's talk about the crew. Not much to say here either. Uh, you know, Nick Cage is obviously the biggest name. Michael Sarnowski is uh, makes his directorial debut in this, and he's also the writer along with Vanessa Block. This is Vanessa Block's first writing credit, and Michael Sarnowski hasn't done a ton either. A couple of episodes of random TV shows, a few short films, but this is definitely the biggest swing uh, under his belt. Like this is not, um, this is not a crew of folks and creative talent who has been at it for years and years and years. And so, again, expectations coming into this. It was hard to say because sometimes you can even just look at the at the development team and the production team and and say, all right, they have a propensity towards this type of movie, this type of storytelling, and we couldn't even do that here. So I went into this one super blind. Yeah, same here. And even even looking at the actors within the movie, I mean, there there aren't that many, at least that that immediately caught my attention besides obviously Nicolas Cage and Alex Wolf. Um, so, I mean, just overall, it seemed like a very um, sort of un- unknown cast and crew in, uh, and writers that, that went in and did this. Yep. So before we jump into the meat and bones, and that about wraps up sort of the, the numbers as it is, um, let's give a general thought Right, and then we'll jump into the meat and the spoilers. So this is spoiler free. Um, normally, the deep dive episodes, as I said, we went into this one sort of blind, and we we try to make the deep dives tried and true movies that I heartily recommend. So that if you're just scrolling through the podcast list and and you see the deep dive episodes, you know out the bat that or out the gate that we recommend this movie uh, to some extent um and it is a safe watch and then you can come listen to the podcast so i would say that this holds true for this one but with some points of conversation that we'll get to in a second but overall all the praise heaped on nicholas cage in this well deserved this is arguably his best movie uh, certainly one of his best. In terms of the storytelling, the narrative, the structure, and the plot points, and all this other kind of stuff, that's where we're going to get into some of these conversations. This movie is unlike anything I've seen in a long time, maybe ever. And I think for the sake of having the conversations and witnessing Nicolas Cage 
uh, as you, it's it's almost like when you hear the song "Dream On" by Aerosmith, and you go in and you have to Google who sang "Dream On," and then you're shocked to find out that it's Steven Tyler, and it's Steven Tyler in his natural voice as opposed to the Steve, the wailing, screaming <laughs> Steven Tyler that we all know from Aerosmith. It's a total. It's like hearing Gilbert Gottfried speak in his natural voice instead of the Affleck voice, and right. It's watching Nicolas Cage in this movie is just it, it, it's it's weird, and it's but in a great way, right? And, and and that's those are those are my analogies for it, and I would argue that for that alone, it's worth the cost of admission to say you did it and to say you took the ride. Whether and we can talk more in just a minute about the details of how enjoyable is that ride. But I would say, surface level, worth the watch, an interesting watch, and not a bad way to spend an hour and a half for six or seven bucks. I would fully agree with you on that. Uh, I mean, out removing my personal opinions of the movie, I think it's worth it. Just like you said, to watch it for the conversation pieces to be able to sort of talk about it with friends, your thoughts mm-hmm. about it, uh, how it made you feel uh, both during and then after you've sat on it for a little bit. Uh, and then, and then just for the whole experience of the movie itself, it's, it's definitely worth watching for that. All right. So knowing that folks go with confidence. If you are that person who wants to go see the movie first before you hear our discussion about it and i'm in that camp with you guys and we don't fault you hit pause now go check it out with our blessing right and come back and just know that when you come back we're gonna have a conversation because this isn't without its thought provokedness and and its (laughs) questions and concerns and and real thoughts so uh we're go- we're about to jump into that now and so with that official spoiler alert warning if you haven't seen it yet and want to see it first go do that now come back because we can't not talk about this movie without spoilers because there's a lot to digest here all right so joe let's start with you well first as always as we always do uh the imdb um, synopsis: A truffle hunter who lives alone in the <laughs> Oregonian—is that a word? The Oregonian wilderness <laughs> must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. I, I do have to say, though, that pig is adorable. So and cute. I would totally be Nicolas Cage in this movie searching for my kidnapped pig. Yeah, I think people who have pigs as pets are weird, but this movie <laughs> definitely makes you pause for a minute and say, oh, I get it. That's a cute pig. <laughs> well, can I just say, Nicolas Cage is falling then right into uh, that stereotype that people who have pit- pigs as pets are weird. Yeah, he's a weird dude. He's, yeah. a, he's a weird dude in this movie. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Joe, as we just said, we both agreed it's worth the watch. But this movie leaves a lot to chew on. And whether or not that's a good thing or just a mouthful of gristle, let's try to figure this out, right? <laughs> uh, Joe, what were your 
thoughts um, and and where, what were your expectations first of all? So go, going into this movie, I tried to not have any expectations whatsoever. That's smart I, move. I, I I knew it was a movie about a man. Who's big. <laughs> about what were your expectations? Well, I was I was suspecting a movie. Um, I thought there'd be moving pictures on a screen. There might be sounds. Uh, outside of that, not a whole lot. And and maybe a pig. Maybe a pig. I honestly, I was expecting Babe. <laughs> Or Babe 2, Pig in the City. Yeah, this is Babe 3, uh, Pig uh, yeah. kidnapped. Pig is taken. That would be horrible, but... Oh, man, poor Babe. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I was, I, was, I, I, I was expecting, just based on the synopsis, Pig gets taken, man goes after Pig. Uh, okay. So I wasn't I wasn't going in expecting like a John Wick situation. Oh. Um, because because although I hadn't read anything about this movie, I knew it wasn't going to be another John Wick just with a pig. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, let me just go into this as is uh, you know, as with as few expectations as possible. Uh and Essentially, that synopsis is spot on. There, there was so little happening through the movie that that synopsis doesn't just cap. I mean, it's literally Nicolas Cage, his pig getting kidnapped, and he is going into Portland trying to find his pig. Like, there's, there's no real big action set pieces. I mean, it's not an action movie, so right. I mean, that's that's out the window right there. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really, even, even though I did not have any expectations, honestly, it defied any expectations that I could have possibly had for this movie. That's so for me, it's funny to hear that because I too went into it trying to mitigate the level of expectations that I, that I go into it. Naturally, we all go into any movie with a, with a bias and, and an expectation. And so I had heard the rumblings of this movie. I had heard the rumblings of Nick Cage, like you've never seen him. Nick Cage, like greatest performance ever, you know, and I totally heard. And and what I had heard was, right, pig taken and, you know, going after pig. And my brain immediately went to John Wick. We just saw what's his face in Nobody, uh, Bob Odenkirk, who... This dude, you know, known for Better Call Saul and character bit <laughs> actors and SNL, like suddenly was a John Wick character. And so yeah. my brain instinctively just went there. And and then to find, you know, the best comparison I could think of as I watched this, it reminded me of that episode in Seinfeld where Jerry and George go to pitch the show. And it's and they're pitching the show about nothing, and 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 the the studio guy is like, "What do you mean it's a show about nothing?" He's like, "What would you do today?" And then he's like, "I ate breakfast and came to work." He goes, "There you go, that's a show." He's like, "What do you mean that's a show?" And he's like, "That's the show. It's nothing." And I was like, "We literally just watched a guy's day." And Absolutely, yeah. So then the question that I'm going to pose to you next is, is that a good thing? My argument is yes. And I think the first thing that struck out to me is that this movie forced me to confront 
my instinct and my bias and my expectations where it's just what film in the modern day has done where my expectation is oh if you take so and so's anything we must leave a trail of bodies and and this movie <laughs> almost like teased and taunted me the whole time because there were so many parts right when he's talking to uh Darius uh, Darius it plays um uh or sorry Adam Arkin plays Darius who is the father of Amir played by Alex Wolf. Alex Wolf is in the truffle business, right? He procures truffles from Rob who is Nick Cage's character. Um Rob finds the truffles, sells them to Amir and Amir sells them to restaurants and other people or whatever. Um his father is also in the business in the industry and is a big heavyweight. And so and and you know we come to find out he's like a Oregonian gangster, right? <laughs> to use a word I just learned, um, and that he's been the one who has the hand in this pig thievery uh, to sort of regulate and keep in check everyone sort of marching on his territory, right? So out the gate, right there, you expect when Nick Cage faces off with this man, like, you know, Darius is going to get his throat slit. And there were multiple times where on the path and on the journey to finding this pig, you fully expect to suddenly find out that he's this, you know, epic killer, right? And it just never happens. And almost, in almost always, in fact, the polar opposite happens. And he meets everybody at their place, in their grief, in their moment of need and and caters to them in a way and serves them in a way in the hopes of being served in return and and it's it was weird i mean i i think out loud i even was just like if someone doesn't die i'm gonna be pissed and then in the <laughs> end i was like wow that's so different so so uh, first point for me is that you know yeah i i thought that this this countering of the expected for me anyway served a positive purpose and i thought it was it was it was well received by me what about you joe yeah no i i, I would agree in those terms uh i th i think by sort of trimming down any of the uh well, I was going to say any of the outrageousness, although there are some uh, some pretty outlandish scenes in this movie mm. uh, in some regards. But in terms of making this about uh, Rob's journey to find his pig, but also keeping it very mundane at the same time, mm -hmm. I think it'll I think it allows viewers to really look at the messages that the director and the writer are really trying to convey in this movie by just leaving it at a very simple plot, if that makes sense. Yes. Talk to me about what it, so when you watched it, right, I think a lot of people are going to walk away with an opinion of what this movie was about. What was this movie about to you on first glance? So, uh, so I had I watched this movie twice, mm -hmm. uh, and and the first time that I watched this movie, what I took out of it was that life is ephemeral. I mean, eventually, nothing is really real 
in terms of what is around us, in terms of society, you know, critics, people that, uh, you know, the people that are uh, sort of eating at your restaurants, um, just all the, all everything that we strive for, our cars, our valuables, uh, just all of that isn't real. Because at any given moment, like Nicolas Cage, you know, or Rob says in the movie, you know, there's going to be an earthquake. You know, if you didn't die from the earthquake, then a tidal wave is going to come and, you know, goodbye. Uh, like, pretty much it. And, and you can't even go to the mountain because apparently, uh, I, f- I forgot what mountain that is. That, no, that's not Mount St. Helens. That's, that's, some, that's some other mountain there. Isn't it Olympic or something? No. Is, isn't it St. Helen? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't anyway, know. but but that's a volcano. So what am I, a geographer? <laughs> this is a movie podcast, Joe. <laughs> Lower your expectations. See, this is why we're putting the rewinds on IG Live. Is I got to be prepared for these types of questions. What's the name of the volcano off of the coast of Oregon, or or yeah. Washington, or wherever? I don't even know. Well, it doesn't matter, Frank, because it's going to explode and you're going to die anyway. So yep. it doesn't. It doesn't Not me. Matter. I'm on the <laughs> East Coast, baby. <laughs> so, so, so that's so that's what I took from it. So, I mean, so all of these surface level items or surface level desires really don't matter because at the end of the day, it's all going to get washed away and destroyed. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that's that's on first watch what I took from it. So uh, that's can I interrupt you just for a second? Yeah, because yeah, absolutely. My first watch was a little different, and I'm curious how did you marry that gathering that, but yet the arc of the main protagonist literally being someone chasing after something that by those words and that sort of you know thought process and and that thematic treatment that you gathered. It, in a world where nothing, like, he should be the person, right, that nothing has meaning. Nothing is of real value. But yet, this is of such value to him and so precious to him. So how does how does that, the journey of the protagonist in this film, marry with your take on its theme? Well, I, I, I think... So, so the way that I that I marry the two, because after we talked and I rewatched the movie, mm-hmm. I, I think what is his ultimate driving goal, though, is love and 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 care for things for for the things that actually matter. So there, not yeah. not not the surface level, uh, you know, items, the materialistic uh, parts of society, but actually caring for the things that provide you love and you love in return, such right. as his pig. Time is short. Don't waste it with stuff that is of no value to you. Waste it on the things that are going to bear fruit in the in the short time we have because once it's gone, it's gone, and you don't want a life wasted. Exactly. Yeah, you sold me, Joe. You sold me. And I think this is beautifully depicted in, I would argue, it, the film's best scene, the best scene in this movie is a moment where Amir and Rob go to a restaurant and uh, what's the name of the guy? He plays the 
the chef. What's that chef's name? Finway. Oh, is it Finway? Yeah. Yeah, Chef Finway, played by David Nell, who I don't really know. But so Chef Finway runs this restaurant, Finways or whatever. And 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 the scene from start to finish is almost flawless for me. Um, first of all, the juxtaposition between uh, Rob, right? He is broken, bruised, bloodied, dirty, smelly, gross, Oregonian wilderness man uh, who has gone through hell in the in the course of just a few hours, right? Sitting in this pristine, yuppie, you know, hipstery you know, Portland put a bird on it type restaurant, right? They are serving like deconstructed Oregon berries in a in a smoke of Douglas fir with a reduction of, you know, pretentiousness, right? And so like, you know, it, it, so that is the environment he's in. And so out the gate, beautifully shot, beautifully staged, awesome, awesome tension, just native in the scene. Then Finway comes out, and recognizes him. We come to find out Rob is uh, Robin Fen. What is it? Fern Fen? Something like that. Feld. Yeah. Robin Feld. Feld. Yeah. Who was a world class, renowned chef in Portland and has left that life behind. We assume after the death of his wife, and and retreated into the woods as a recluse and and truffle farmer, uh, or har- or hunter, harvester, whatever. I guess you don't farm truffles. Um, Otherwise, they wouldn't be rare. And so uh, so then they, they go and they sit, and these two men knew each other, right? Finway was a prep cook for Rob back when he was a chef, and he fired him because he was crap at his job. And so Overcooking the pasta. Right, Ooh, which is a big no-no. Oh, yeah. And, and so suddenly we find ourselves in this interaction between these two men where we suddenly become Amir as we sit quietly just watching these this monologue this soliloquy from rob from nicholas cage that is not i'm not saying on par but in the ballpark and reminiscent of javier bardem's monologue in the gas station in no country for old men right he's a, he's a he, this is the moment where we're getting the heart of the movie and we're being told what we should be thinking and feeling through the eyes of this character and and he's spelling out these things and and we see the effect right and he's basically calling him out and being like you had a dream and you're not living it so now you have this half life and for me it also spelled out and i think that depicts exactly what you're talking about joe right you're wasting your life you know rob to finway you're wasting the little life you have and this is the scene where he makes that comparison right to the title yeah. wave and stuff and you're wasting the little life you have on this thing that you don't really want to do. And we watch this man forced to realize the truth of his words, but yet somehow powerless to inflict that change, right? Because he is beholden to others, beholden to money, beholden to whatever, right? And, and I mean... To the critics, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's... Right? And I could I could relate to that. You know, my dream job is not you know, uh, a stratcom specialist for a government contractor or, or whatever else. This is my dream job, you know. Producing films is my dream job. Those are my dream jobs. But I can't do those things, and so I, you know, I do other things that I need to do. And so suddenly I see myself a little bit there, right, um, which drew me into the movie in a, in a positive way. And, and it also illustrated 
what to me was the main theme of the movie, which was grief and loss, right? Mm. And watching one man's journey through that, right? Through through dealing with not only this like this present day loss of this pig is just the most recent reminder of a deeper hurt that he's running from, right? The hurt of the loss of his wife, uh, the, yeah. the you know retreating away and trying to hide from dealing with these realities, and we see this in interactions with him throughout the city, right? People know him, and and do not have a positive opinion of him because he just left, whereas everyone else has had to try to deal with with you know what we're assuming is his interactions with people who knew him and his wife. One that stands out is the baker, right? Oh, that's a good scene. It's a great scene. He goes, so he goes to his old restaurant where clearly someone who he and his wife knew intimately, right? Like they were close friends, um, now runs that restaurant as a bakery. And he talks about, uh, he talks about, you know, oh, you, it's a bakery now, you know? And, And she says, I kept it as you had it for years, thinking you'd come back for it. And you never did. And I'm not you. I'm a baker. So I made a bakery, right? And so what we ca- what we gather is these are people in the world who have had to deal with and move on from this hurt. And he never has. He just isolated himself away. And now, through this new act is now forced to not only seek out this pig, but confront and deal with the grief of his wife and the loss that he's experienced and the pain he has inflicted by abandoning others and stuff. And now he has to deal with that. But so, so here's my only comment on all of that. Yes. Because so he, he sort of self exiles himself after his wife dies. That's what I understand. Yeah. Yes. And then he comes back mm-hmm. to find his pig. But the thing, so the thing that bothers me though about his character is that he comes back as this sort of sage from the mountains, this this mystical prophet that knows what everyone should be doing with their lives and not wasting it. But at the same time, I mean, granted, I mean, he, he found a pig that he loved, and that's great. But at the same time, I feel like that's, like that, 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 that it's, it's also a little not fair of him to just come back into all these people's lives with all of this wisdom for how they should live. When at the end of the day, or I guess, you know, back in the day, he pulled himself out of everyone's lives mm-hmm. and caused so, so, so much sort of chaos in, in the wake of his, uh, in his disappearance. I don't know, like that, like that felt a little jarring for me that, that, that he, in, throughout this movie, he sort of plays this, this all sort of wise, all-knowing sort of character. Um, but but I, I, I still wonder if he ever really makes amends for the people that he's hurt along the way. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. And I agree with you. I think I think the answer there is is no maybe does the best he can. I was surprised you know and and I kind of it's funny. I I think I think his past people, his ghosts sort of they find their closure in knowing he's mm. still there and he kind of you know gives right he gives uh he gives the restaurant person his blessing right the baker yeah and he basically as he's walking out he makes a comment about the windows not having curtains and she's like yeah you know your wife never you know she always wanted them without curtains and he says it is better this way like yeah. you know he kind of gives her the you know, this is good and I'm happy for you and, and whatever. And so maybe she can take that as some closure. Um, the, the woman at the crematorium or whatever, who is holding his wines for him. And she says to the boy, you know, tell him that I'm saving the, the space next to his wife for him, even though he's never asked, just tell him for me. So now maybe she at least knows like, you know, he's going to know, right? The, he's going to have the message, yeah. Right. And so so they kind of, and I think where we see the change in the character is in his future, right? When this boy wrongs him and he walks away and basically is like, we're done. Don't ever talk to me again. And then is suddenly confronted with, I could, I could treat this the same way I've treated the other people in my life. And I have burned those bridges. I've lost those people, right? We can, we can forgive, but that doesn't, necessarily absolve us of all punishment right and yeah. so you know in terms of our human relationships and so uh you know like i can forgive you and whatever but we're not going to be besties again um like not all is forgotten and i think while that's happening with his past and he doesn't want that to happen again so in the end of the movie even though this boy has wronged him he has forgiven and is like so i'll see you thursday like you know this relationship will continue and and I'm open to continuing a relationship, and and we see them grow together a little bit as the movie goes on, and and you know because he sees him as this weird mountain man, who do, he doesn't want touching his car, let alone riding in it. And now suddenly they're kind of developing a friendship, and he has forced this kid to confront his own demons of grief and loss with his mother, uh, yeah. you know the his father to confront grief and loss with his wife and right everyone around him is touched by him in a way that forces them to confront some demon they're hiding from and and to me that was an interesting thing to follow especially as i said before in the context of my own expectations of where i thought it was gonna go right and this certainly wasn't it um let's talk a little bit about something that I felt didn't work at all. And that is the <laughs> visual representation of him taking the pain of grief head on by inflicting himself to a beatdown at an underground, like, restaurant workers fight club. Oof, Frank. When, when that part of the movie came on i was like what the crap is happening yes like the entire movie is very realistic let's say 
But when it gets to this scene where where they have to like move the uh, the, the sort of the cabinetry from uh, an established restaurant, uh, like he throws pots and pans and stuff on the on the ground, and then crawls through a hole in the wall. Yeah, like a Shawshank hole in the wall. Yeah, yeah, and then he like goes down some like rickety spiral staircase. And then he's in the, the, the basement of this apparently old historic hotel, which was just built over and is now sort of a plaza just on the surface. Um, but now it looks like just restaurant workers pretty much beat each other up mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for, for money. I'm like, you know, that that was such a, a, a tonal shift that, that really threw me for a loop, a complete loop. Yes. Uh, but so and and i have lots of feelings about this so on on one level i i think it also plays into the into the message that sort of everything on the surface isn't real because mm-hmm. you know what's what's on the surface of this of this uh you know of, of this location it's some some park some just some some city block now but underneath is where all of the real action, all of the real meat and guts of this sort of restaurant industry sort of lie where people come in and just physically beat each other mm. down. Like that's, that's where all the, the real aggression and feelings and, and, and just all, all of the, the, those churning emotions really, you know, come to the surface that it's buried under all of this sort of, superficialness yeah this is, is the, the city. this is the sinew of it like that's just the that's just the top layer and this is what's this is what's in there this is the the dark grossness of life yeah yeah, yeah exactly so i don't know so 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 as a, a metaphor i can i can take it that way but just on you know just watching the movie that that really threw me i don't know about you frank though Absolutely, it threw me. Now it's funny because I saw it differently because the the initial themes hit us differently. I yeah. saw it as again, right? We cannot hide from what is due, and 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 grief and loss hurts, and so he had to subject himself to feeling that hurt represented here physically, right? through yeah. getting beat down by some <laughs> random, you know, Mater D, uh, who just, like, the chumpiest looking dude I've ever seen. But anyways, regardless. Um, you know, so he had to subject himself to that to come out the other side and move forward in the process, to start to work towards a resolution. This, you know, feeling the pain of this loss and this hurt and that that he's inflicted in others, right? When he writes his name and everyone knows who he is, right? There's even that moment too where, um, what's his name, Edward or whatever, Edgar, Edgar, I think, Edgar, yeah, uh, he's the you know the kingpin of this underground fight ring, and uh, you know the timer goes off and he lets the beating continue, right? Because it's also he felt personally slighted by Robin Feld leaving, and yeah. so. Uh, this is his kind of moment to inflict more pain. And so even the pain that we expect doesn't necessarily last the duration that we hope it will. Sometimes it hurts longer than you think or whatever. So we can get into the metaphor of this. 
I agree with you completely. So I think in both ways, it spoke well as a metaphor to what... I, I take it back. Let me back that up. I understood the attempt. It was piss poor execution. Tonally, <laughs> it was out of whack. It pulled me from the movie almost immediately. Yes. And it took a lot of effort for me to forgive it and get back into the movie. And, you know, again, I think it was a cheap mechanic to also further like suddenly we're in this fight club so was he like this badass fighting chef right is this the moment where we're going to discover that robin feld is like this assassin right in the ring and and whatever <laughs> like again it, it 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 fueled i was like all right this makes no sense but here we go this is our, this is the moment where we discover right as we do in nobody that bob odenkirk is actually like this military hitman who can you know what i'm saying and so i expected that and i didn't get it in the end he is just a chef and this is just weird i think that it would have been better served to maintain the tonal integrity right of this film instead of going for like the big swing this scene felt much like uh much like how nicholas cage has treated acting but for screenwriting, like this was the Nick Cage moment of screenwriting where, you know, this dude, Michael Sarnoski, just swung for the fence. Right. And it was just bug eyed and, you know, spittle spraying all over the, you know, the, the boom <laughs> mic as as he just swung for that fence. And I thought that we would have been better served with something more grounded. Like maybe Edgar was this sous chef who lost out or, or was fired or whatever, or, or the restaurant failed, or he was a business partner and he left him high and dry, you know, so we could have an interaction where they meet and, and Edgar gives him the beat down. Right. Yeah, and then absolutely. And, and works out his demon while he just sits there and takes it because he knows it's what's due. I'm not saying that's necessarily the answer, but it would have been better served by a softer touch. And this just felt like a sledgehammer dropped in the middle of this movie that pays off in no real way. Like, it just leaves you with this question of, what? <laughs> like, like how, what? You know? Yeah, I mean, he, he, he all, all this scene provided at the end, I mean, in terms of moving the plot forward, was just him getting the name, I think, of the restaurant... Of Finway, yeah. Of Finway, and like that is it. And you, we never hear of this fight club for chefs ever again. It's 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 just such a a pebble in your shoe feeling when you're watching this movie, where it might be something very small, but it's very annoying, and you feel it. I um, would say this yeah. is the biggest reason why I give my recommendation with reservations. Because it is this moment especially, and smaller moments like it, that just pull you out of this narrative and don't let you stay invested. And, and just it just feels poorly done. And, and this is certainly something that keeps this movie from being better. I mean, again, it is, it is a lot of nothing. But it's interesting in how it is a lot of nothing because 
I think, like I said, we just go into these movies expecting such big bangs that when we finally see a movie, like at the end of the day, you're expecting him to become this this guy, this assassin, at least I was, but yet the movie looks at me in the eyes and is just like, relax, Frank, he's just a chef, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, he is just a chef. But then why does this fight club exist? You know, and so it keeps you keep coming back to that, and it is a real thorn in this movie. Yeah. Can, can, can I just say one thing, too? So he, he isn't also, should I say, just a chef. I mean, he mm. also has a very particular set of skills <laughs> if <I may. laughs> that make him a nightmare for pig thieves <laughs> like you. But but where he is able to remember who? Uh, oh no, he, we're he, coming I mean, to that. Oh no, no, no. yeah, well, go well, ahead. Well, I'm, I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna tr- try to transition a little bit because his memory is apparently the perfect memory out of all homo sapiens like mm-hmm. he has the best memory in the world first demonstrated by finway in when when they're at finway's restaurant and he is immediately able to call him out as to who he was how long he worked for him why he hi- or why he fired him and what his dream was what his what what finway's uh you know um, meal signature dish wanted he wanted uh what Finway Finway oh excuse me about that <laughs> uh, <laughs> what Finway wanted his signature dish to be at his restaurant yeah like he remembered all of those details um and then later it, it, it's revealed that he can remember every single dish that he has ever cooked for every single person throughout his life. I mean that's that's also I mean just really sort of fantastical almost. Um, that was going to be my next sticking point. As I said, there's a lot of little moments that pull you out, and you're just kind of like, uh, "What?" And that was another one. The Finway thing didn't bother me so much. I could buy that this guy had such a high. Uh, <laughs> that just. <laughs> It was real sing-songy. Bye, that this guy had such a high. <laughs> um, you know, I could I, I could get behind the notion that he he would remember an interaction like that, right? I, I think maybe he probably didn't have like I don't know. It just in my mind, I'm sure there were chefs and people who worked under him that he wouldn't know from Adam, but this one stood out for some reason, right? And and he also, he got the name, had time to think about it. Maybe it happened closer to when he left, right? Like, there's a lot of ways that you can sort of, um, that you can justify the the notion that he remembers Finway and he remembers this conversation. Um, I could get behind that. I, I could not in any way, shape, or form get behind the idea that they just threw out there I remember every meal that I cook for every single person that I've ever served. And I was like, no, you don't, right? If you're the chef, you don't even see the people who come in, right? So the people are just table numbers, right? Like, unless you have some sort of, like, you know, Jiro Dreams of Sushi style restaurant where, like, four people sit down a day, maybe, 
right? But like that was the most absurd line of dialogue I've ever heard. And it was infuriating when there's a very simple mechanic, right? This kid's parents have talked about this meal their whole lives. It was the greatest meal they ever ate from Chef Robin Feld. And this kid knows what they ate, right? They ate pigeon quail whatever in a blah 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 bournaise la la reduction with a bed of blah 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 so you this kid just says it and he knows to make it he doesn't have to just invent this ability that he knows the meal he cooked for this kid's parents that was insane to me that was insane and i was incensed when i heard it like i was just like <laughs> Forget it. Like, again, it, it yanked me out. And yes. I just, and it didn't have to be so ridiculous and so complicated, right? It could have been very simple and it could have worked just as well and it would have achieved its purpose. And, and it was stupid that they threw it in there. So I think at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say, and let me know if you agree, there is a lot this movie does wrong. I think it's it feels crazy long. It's you know in the in the game of of movie making these days, it's boring. There's not a lot that happens, and uh, and there are there are just constant moments. The the Fight Club scene, the superpowers, the chef superpowers scenes. You know the the just the blatant misdirection moments to try to keep you guessing and on your toes in an attempt to surprise you. Uh, as to what this movie isn't feel heavy-handed and and just uh, the like I said it pulls you out of the of the experience yeah. and and all of that works against this movie however i think it is immensely fascinating how this movie manages to break down our preconceptions of what a movie like this should be i think it it very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Boldly and almost <laughs> bravely tries to tackle some really heavy themes in a subtle and delicate way and through a narrative that is wholly unexpected, right? You know, yeah. a, 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 a guy from Oregon uh, looking for a pig and suddenly, like, we're sitting there thinking and forced to digest really heavy concepts uh, of life and, and love and loss. And, and I think that's great. Enough cannot be said about the way Nicolas Cage handles this character. Um, and, and so much praise is well-deserved by him in this movie to dial it back and let him, you know, let less do more. And that is just not something he's known for. And the last thing is that this is not a movie that you quickly forget. This is not a movie that is boring and you're glad it's over and you never think about it again. It's a movie that is boring and you're kind of glad it's over. But when it's over, it sits with you a while. And, and it forces you to think about it a while. And ask yourself, man, was that good? And... Well, this scene, this, and and moments that, you know, I, it wasn't painful for me to give it a second watch. Um, I don't know that I would give it a third, and therefore it's not on my recommendation to buy. But I think enough exists in the positive column 
that makes this movie worth a watch and worth your time for a rental. And if eventually you can catch it for free, for sure, because you might get something out of it you didn't expect. And at the very least, you're going to see something that we haven't seen in a long time. And that's Nicolas Cage making an attempt to act instead of <laughs> making an attempt to be utterly ridiculous. No, I, I, I would fully agree with you on that. Um, Nicholas Cage, Nicholas's acting is, is very different than what you would typically expect from him in a, in a movie. I mean, mm-hmm. his, he, which, which, the the aspect that probably works best for him is that he doesn't say much except for a few monologues here and there. But right. throughout the movie, it's mainly his face uh, yes. that is that is doing the acting, um, not necessarily his his words or his mouth. And so that's that's a really interesting change, I think, for him compared to some of his older movies. Um, but yeah, but this this really just sits with you. Um, in, you know, in, in, you know, if you were to eating, if you were to eat something, you know, this, this would be sort of the taste that you would have in the back of your mouth after you have, you know, finished the meal after you've watched this movie and it just kind of lingers there. Um, and it's not wholly unpleasant. No, it's not, it's not wholly unpleasant. I mean, is it your favorite dish ever? Probably not. <laughs> would you, would you order it at a restaurant to give it another try because you don't you're not quite sure how you feel about the dish? Yes, absolutely. Um, but but overall, I mean, it's 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 a good movie for what it is, and and I agree, it tackles some really interesting concepts in a way that I haven't seen in other movies before. Yeah. I so Joe, what do you give it? Oof. I would probably give this movie a six out of ten. Oh, that's not bad. That's better that's, than I thought you'd give it. Yeah, I mean, if you had asked me the first after the first time watching this movie, I would probably have given it a four out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, for all the reasons that you've that you've mentioned earlier, you know, it's it's long. Not much actually happens outside of these weird moments of uh, of oddity. Um, it's just it's a very standard movie. You can you can sort of figure out what's happening as it goes through. It's not a very complicated movie to to watch. But there's something about the the overall tone of the movie. There's something about the overall message that on the second watch through. It made me feel better about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's definitely not going to be one of my favorite movies of all time. But I'm glad I watched it. And that's why I would definitely recommend others to watch it as well. Just for the experience of, of, of watching a movie like this. Because it is so different than other movies out there. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'd probably give it a 6 out of 10, roughly. So maybe maybe you know, slightly higher than the middle of the road, but, but not much. Yeah. So it's funny. Uh, it was, <laughs> I loved hearing that you were giving it a six. That's exactly where I'm at. I give this movie a six out of 10. Um, I think it does, to be honest, a movie, this movie without Nick Cage deserves far less. Nicholas Cage for <laughs> yes. the first time in a long time 
is is bringing like two or three points to a movie because with with anybody else in here i just i don't see it doing as well not because they wouldn't be capable mainly because you wouldn't be surprised at what they're capable of and in this movie you're surprised by nicolas cage and uh, and to be blunt he counts for two or three points i think you know uh, but I, I don't mean that to dissuade you. I think that the first watch, I had to get over the initial shock um, and my own biases and expectations. The second watch, I was able to sink more into the story, well, the attempts at the story, the themes, and, and I enjoyed a lot more of it. Uh, or at least I, I enjoyed it differently. Um, I own it now. And I'm not furious that I own it. I would have been happier if I would have rented it. Um, if I was going to, you know, sit and watch it twice in like two or three days. Um, but it is it is worth the time. And it's a six out of ten. It's absolutely worth a watch. Maybe worth a second watch if you're if you're really, you know, into trying to, to get something different out of it and settle into what you can. Um, but it doesn't really exist outside of that. And, and any hire would have to demand that it be a movie that has some really high rewatchability. And this, this one doesn't, but I think if you watch it once, maybe twice, you're going to be surprised, I think. And, and I have to say to, to sort of link back to the Rotten Tomatoes score, uh, for the audience, uh, which was, I believe you said 83%, give or take. Yeah. Uh, Looking through the reviews there from audience members, it was either they gave it like a one star or they gave it a five star. Uh, but there were very few in between scores. Uh, so so it's either one of those like you love it or you hate it sort of movies. Uh, but it's uh, but, it, but yeah, it, it, it sits in a very odd place. Uh, yeah, it's, yep. it's just it's it's an odd movie. Absolutely. Well. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here. Our thoughts on Pig, a unanimous 6 out of 10. Uh, maybe in a future rewind, we'll, we'll make Tim watch it and see what he thinks. But Tim's not here, so <laughs> too bad, so sad. Joe, as always, my friend, it is such a joy to have you on the show. It was awesome talking with you and uh, couldn't have thought of anyone better to do this movie with. Thank you very much, Frank. I'm always, always, always happy to be here, and uh, yeah, I'm. Thanks for having me. Oh, and one thing that I that I want to uh, say: mm. if any if anyone out there works in the or works or has worked in the restaurant industry, and there is a secret Fight Club, please, <laughs> please, please email, reach out to Frank, and let him know because yes. I I am very curious. Uh, I think I think the world needs to know if there are actually chef fight clubs out there. <laughs> All right, guys. So you heard it from Joe. If you know of any secret chef fight clubs or have any thoughts or questions about anything we've watched or that you want us to watch, but definitely the fight club thing, uh, you can reach <laughs> out to us on the website, pausereviews.com, uh, on Instagram, at pausereviews, and even via email, pausereviews at gmail.com. Shoot us a message, shoot us an email, shoot us a DM, comment on a post, whatever it is. We want to hear from you guys. Again, especially if you know of some chef fight clubs, because we want to see that. Um, otherwise, next week is our rewind. 
and uh, we will go ahead and just go crazy and and kick it off with the IG lives. So we will be next Thursday on IG live with a rewind talking about what we've been watching between now and then. Um, please feel free to join us again on Instagram at pause reviews and hit us up with your thoughts, your questions, and just get part of the conversation. It was so much fun. The last time we did it, more and more people have been joining as we've been doing it. Um, and we're going to be doing it on Thursdays at eight o'clock. So Thursdays at 8 PM on Instagram, as I said, at pause reviews, if you can't make it live to interact, you can always enjoy it later on Instagram. It's going to be on IGTV, you know, through our, uh, through our handle or on YouTube, uh, we'll be uploading them there as well. So we look forward to seeing you next Thursday at 8 PM for that. And in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. And hope you guys have a great week. As always, I'm your boy, Frank. And I'm Joseph. And we'll see you when we see you. Peace. Peace.